Welcome to the Lead Defend Podcast, a show designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build up your faith as you engage a changing culture. Now, here are your hosts. Hey, this is Ryan and Brock here with Lead Defend. Today, we have Steve Ellis with us. Brock, tell us about Steve. Steve is the executive pastor of missions and church planning here at our church at First Baptist Rogers. We've gotten to have a few of our, our staff members on, which is was great. And so, Steve, thanks for, for being on today. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, Living Scent. He comes from a strong missions background through, an, through the IMB. And so, Steve, would you just tell us a little bit about that, how your maybe relationship with Christ started, and then the, the various roles that you've served in over the years? Sure. Um, I came to faith in Christ when I was 18 years old. Um, honestly, came from a family uh, where there was really no believers, first believer in my family. And uh, it was actually through my best friend's sister, who is a pastor's wife in Oklahoma, wow. uh, that I first heard the gospel at 18 hmm. years of age. And uh, of course, upon my first encounter with the gospel, it just rocked my world. Hmm. And uh, I kind of just uh, uh, was under deep conviction for about two weeks, just kind of reflecting on my life and God just kind of did the perfect storm in terms of others he brought into my life to really confirm that this is a decision I need to make. So wow. I, I made that decision when I was 18. And within just a few months, I went off to like Super Summer, Missouri. And then I went to <laughs> okay. Falls Creek uh, with uh, the, the church over in McAllister, Oklahoma. We went down to Falls Creek and it was there where I just kind of began to sense like, man, something's going on in my life. Didn't know what it, you know was going on. Uh, but um, I had some, just some counsel from the pastor and I said, you know, maybe the Lord is, you know, like calling you into the ministry and wow. you just need to make yourself available. And I thought uh, that doesn't sound like me. I, I, I don't know that I want to do that kind of scenario. But three nights it happened. And, and finally, on the fourth night, I went forward and I said, you know, I'm not sure what all this means, but I think God wants me in the ministry. And so wow. I'm here basically saying, here's here's my life. Uh, use me and the peace of God returned to my life. And uh, so That's that kind of set me in, in motion uh, to take that next step to go off wow. to school to prepare and, for the ministry. And from, from knowing kind of a little bit about your history, like God certainly has used you and we're blessed to, to mm -hmm. be a part of what he's doing to continually use you here. And, and so would you just mention maybe a few of the things that, that God did to, to get you to where you are now? What are the ways that he used you and how did he kind of bring you into that process? Well, sure. I, I would say obviously co college was a big help in preparation. Uh, I went to a Christian college in, in Dallas, and I mean, it was there where I got exposed to uh, a lot of uh, missionaries and mission thinkers and taking classes in evangelism, other things that would kind of help mm -hmm. me uh, know how to share my own faith. And obviously living in Dallas in a very multicultural kind of context, uh, it, for me, it was just like, while I, I, I grew up here in Southwest Missouri, you know, and there was no other ethnic groups and being sure. in Dallas, which was just a, a melting pot of different cultures, uh, it, it made me fall in love with the people I, I lived around. And so I wanted to learn how I could really communicate the gospel to them. And so school played a big part, but I would say it was really the investment uh, of, uh, of, a, of a youth pastor's uh, a youth pastor in, in, in my wow. life. And it was a guy that I got to know 
in Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, he was also a student there. We became roommates. And honestly, for me, it was just the life on life, living together, pouring into me, sure. taught me more, one, about discipleship and my walk with Christ and how to live in obedience to his commands and doing ministry in context to local church. Yeah. Uh, loving lost people, sharing my faith. I mean, all those things came out of that relationship. Uh, but but then there was other things. So short-term mission trips also played a part, too. It's um, amazing, though, how college can foster that environment. Yeah. See, a lot of our students are college students now. How would you encourage them to use their college years to just prepare for whatever God has for them next? Well, I, I would say in my own life, I wasn't real clear exactly what the Lord wanted sure. for me. So when I went off to prepare for ministry, I mean, I didn't know if I would be a pastor, a youth pastor, a worship pastor. I, and now I you're no an idea. executive pastor. Now, what, what is executive Oh, mean? my. Uh, Do you wear a three-piece suit every day to work? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, not uh, since uh, my my days in the professional world in, in, in Dallas uh, while I was doing uh, graduate school. But nothing like that. But I, I, I would say for, for me... Uh, the big turning point for me was that I was just real open. Lord, you know, mm. whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll, I will go. It's just being available, you know. Mm. Yeah. Uh, basically writing a blank check and saying, Lord, you, you put this on the map somewhere, you know, I want to obey I got to warn you, college students don't know what checks are these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's it is. just handing a, your debit card a, number a, over a, exactly, and saying, spend what you want. Exactly. A blank cash Not app. just your debit a card, but give them your your PIN number as well, <laughs> okay. because God's going to cash it in, you know, and, and that's what happened to me. I mean, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm available. I'll do whatever, go wherever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and really it was the influence of a, probably an old name. Any, probably young people won't know this name, but Henry Blackaby, but yeah, uh, he came to our school and shared about doing pioneer uh, church planting. And he wow. was primarily thinking about the Pacific Northwest, but I thought, Pioneer Church Planning. I mean, that's kind of a novel idea. Uh, you mean there are places in the world where the gospel and where the church didn't exist? I mean, I just had yeah, that kind of naivety sure. uh, in, in, in school, and I thought, you know, that's something I would like to do. I'd like to take the gospel. I'd like to go and plant a church where it's never been done before. Wow. And so I went to the office, the mission office of the school. I was like, hey, wherever you're going next in the world— uh, sign me up. This is what I want to be a, a part wow. of. And so I went and I spent a summer in, in, in Brazil. And uh, it was through that first experience mm-hmm. uh, after I completed my sophomore year in college that I clearly sensed God calling me into missions. Yeah. And I think for a lot of college students, uh, you know, they're, they're maybe at a secular state school context. And, you know, there's, there's not exactly anything overseas is more just studying abroad. It's not necessarily a mission trip. Now, lucky thing with students that are going to say BCM at U of A, you guys do mission trips together. Yeah, absolutely. But there's also some opportunities that I think a lot of people don't even realize are available to them. If there's a, a college student, or maybe it's even an older high school student who is listening right now and was like, I want to put that blank check on the table, but I don't even know where where the table is. What are some opportunities maybe through churches or even our own convention of churches through the SBC that students would have an opportunity to do something like that? I think there are a lot of avenues, and I think the first place that I would encourage everyone to pursue would just be through the local church. You know, I yeah. know that no two churches are exactly the same. Right. Uh, you know, some of your larger churches probably have, you know, far more, you know, uh, outlets and opportunities to serve locally, nationally, mm-hmm. and, and globally. But just check with them to seeing if they have potentially anything 
yeah. uh, that would enable them to actually kind of be a a sent one, so to so yeah. to speak, to to go and share the gospel in a, in, a, in a place that's uh, totally unf- unfamiliar to you. Uh, Another place would be, I mean, even checking through your state convention to see what opportunities might uh, be, be available for, um, I mean, like in the past, you used to have like international world changers, you right. know, you could go as a, a high school student, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, the International Mission Board has a number of programs, you know, for people to go and serve uh, for, you know, a, a semester or for a year or for two years, that kind of thing. And it's just connecting with the right people that can give you mm-hmm. the the introductions to possible you know locations where they can serve. Yeah. But uh, that that's what I would encourage people to do. Steve, your journey has really taken you a lot of places. I mean, mm-hmm. you've served in several countries throughout the world, mm-hmm. um, Southeast Asia particularly. Uh, but then you also had the privilege of kind of coaching up and leading a vast region of missionaries mm-hmm. um, who are serving in a lot of places. Could could you speak to students? wherever they are in their journey, what are the things that if they know the Lord's calling me to missions that they can do now that can prepare them for lifetimes of faithfulness? For sure. Yeah, we uh, had the privilege of serving for 27 years with the International Mission Board in, uh, in, in Cambodia, Thailand, and in Taiwan. So about 14 years focused on Southeast Asian peoples, predominantly Buddhist, animist peoples, and then 13 and a half years in leadership for the work in East Asia, primarily focused on Chinese, Japanese, mm-hmm. and Koreans. And so, you know, during those years, I mean, we had a very ambitious uh, student strategy partnerships, you know, that we were helping to facilitate and fuel a whole student mm. movement, you know, yeah. that could go and, and, and serve, you know, in, in, in different places. Uh, so my, my perspective, you know, for years and years was looking at it from the field back to the local church. Sure. But yeah. for the last two and a half years, I've served here uh, on staff at First Baptist Rogers. And it's given me a completely different perspective uh, from, from this, okay. this side. And uh, one, it, it's helped me to try to evaluate the, the, the depth of our missional uh, awareness and understanding. I mean, are people, I mean, we say that we're missions-minded, but are sure. we really missionally engaged? I mean, are we really yeah. involved more than just kind of the praying and paying side of things, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, giving our ties and offering up a few prayers, but then outsourcing missions to the professional missionaries. And yeah. uh, so I think that's where I'm coming in thinking this is something that I really want to try to influence and change even within our own church. And wow. so uh, what's helped has uh, been doing mission studies. And so uh, doing basic to intermediate to advanced, you know, level mission studies to take people through what God's word has to say about, hmm. hey, there's a biblical basis as to why we do the things that we do. Yeah. God's passionate about a lost world and he's given a commission to his church to yeah. take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And, and then what does it mean for us? Well, you know, it kind of falls into these realms of we, we do need to be praying. We do need to be giving. We do need to be senders. We need to be goers. We need to be supporters. Mm-hmm. We need to welcome the nations that have moved into our neighborhoods. You know, right. uh, these are people that uh, are in the workplace and the marketplaces that yeah. we can be impacting right here. So mm. start where you are. Look for outlets to serve you know, these communities of, mm-hmm. of, of internationals that have moved, you know, into your area. If it's an international exchange student, if it's uh, another international that uh, is working for your company, I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, opportunities there to, to impact them right, uh, right here in those areas. Yeah, because, I mean, if, if you're a college student thinking about this, depending on where you are, you might be in one of the di- most diverse places you'll ever be Absolutely. in the United States in your life with mm-hmm. all the... the f- 
transfer students that are coming in, international students coming in. I mean, on your hallway, on your dorms are likely people from other countries with different backgrounds that, that before you have to go overseas and get on a plane, you just got to walk down the hallway and knock on the door. But when it comes time to, to take that trip, Steve, I, I, if I'm putting my mind in the maybe average college student mindset and they're thinking, man, I've got a summer school's coming up. I know that tuition, I really need to work to, to make money. Do I have, what, what is my incentive? Why, why should I look at giving this summer away to go spend overseas? Or maybe it's, they're about to graduate and they know that their mom and dad are thinking, Hey, you need to put that degree to good use. And at the same time they're carrying, Hey, should I look at something like the journeyman program where we yeah. go to spend a year? Help, help that student think through why is it worth giving up that summer? Why is it potentially worth giving up those two years to go and, and serve overseas? Well, I could tell you uh, what influenced me. And honestly, it was one passage of Scripture in Psalm mm-hmm. 917 that says, uh, the wicked should be turned into hell along with all the nations that forget God. Wow. And so the fact is, is uh, when it says nations, it's the same kind of word and terminology we use for people groups. Uh, and when it says, you know, forget there, it's not that these people have put God out of their minds. It is a word which means to be oblivious of. They have no memory, okay, of Jesus, okay? So there are vast populations, you know, people groups throughout the world that have never one time heard the gospel. I think that was my driving motivation to consider how I should use my summers and uh, even my time, you know, after college as we were kind of prayerfully thinking about when we should go. I mean, we had the call in college and I think we were anxious to, to immediately move out and get somewhere on the mission field. But, you know, there was more preparation that needed to be done. We continued to take short-term trips. But it's about nine years from the point that we felt a call into missions wow. to the time that we actually landed as full-time career, you know, missionaries, sure. you know, in, 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 in yeah. Cambodia. And so um, I always say if, if, if your life is the length of your arm, I mean, a, a, a two-week trip is maybe the length of a finger, okay? And, and, and two years of your life is maybe the length of your hand. And what is that in context basically to the length of your entire, entire arm? I mean, wow. two weeks, two months, two years, I mean, it's really nothing. And maybe right now you don't see the potential value in terms sure. of how that could enrich uh, your, your, your experience and, and your involvement through your local church. Uh, but at the same time, entering into that, it could be the very thing that God uses to maybe call you out to do this on a long-term basis. That's huge. Uh, could, could you help us define a couple things, Steve? Mm-hmm. Like, how should a student even think of missions? What, what is missions? Well, missions is basically the, it's the mandate of God. I, I, I think of it in terms of his great commission uh, that you see in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You see it in Mark 16, 15, Luke 24, 45 through 47, John 20, 21, Acts 1, 8. I mean, look, look all those passages up. They're all about the great commission. And mm-hmm. it's all about a mandate he's given to his church uh, to take the gospel, okay, to people who have never heard. So you go, you make disciples. And you make disciples by doing, you know, uh, three three things, okay? Yeah. Uh, you, you go, you, you baptize, and then you basically train these people up uh, to obey, you know, his, his commands. Mm-hmm. So I know sometimes when people think about missions, they group a lot of things into missions that's not really missions. Right. Sure. You can't have missions that is completely divorced from the gospel. It's all about the gospel and everyone having access to the gospel and so, uh, I mean, I have made it my life, you know, purpose 
that whatever I do, wherever I go, I, I want to make sure that I'm living out the values of the gospel wow. and living with gospel intentionality uh, so that wherever I am and whoever I'm with, you know, I am going to live it out and I'm going yeah. to speak it because that's the only way that faith can come. Yeah. So you're drawing a line. Missions can involve things like service projects. They can. And outreach, but things like service project and outreach in and of themselves, just simple benevolent goods, social goods, isn't missions necessarily. I mean, I, I look back at the tsunami that happened in Indonesia, you know, wow. and 200, you know, yeah. 25,000 people who lost their life, you know, and mm-hmm. spending, you know, 18 months of our, our life down in areas where we're ministering to families that lost, you know, loved ones. And we were building homes, we were helping with livelihood projects, we were feeding, we were digging well. You, know, you do all these other kinds of projects, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I don't want anyone to go to hell with a full stomach, you know, and have their thirst satisfied but never hear the gospel. And so, yeah, you can do all those things, and they might be an effective bridge and an entry strategy to get into places that need the gospel, but they've Mm got to hear the gospel. We've got to share it. Yeah. Steve, I've I've seen a lot, especially as earlier you were talking about pioneer missions, which, again, for those who may not know the terminology, you kind of define that as— establishing churches and sending the gospel to be a presence where a place that there is no currently no, a gospel presence. There's some pushback to that today. Uh, the the assumption that we're really what that is is just some type of colonization effort, that it is imposing Western culture, Western ideals, Western, Western beliefs, and really infiltrating these other people groups. And, and my guess is there's a lot of college students that are confronted with that. Who are we as Christians to impose our religious beliefs on others? Help a, a college student reconcile those ideas. What do, they, what do they say to the person who looks like the, the young man who I think a couple years ago entered into— uh, 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 North Sentinelese, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and ended up losing his life, and they said, well, he, he deserved it. What business did he have doing there? Um, how do we think about these things? How do we answer those questions? Well, what I would say that, uh, I mean, there, there is certainly a cost, okay, in terms of taking the gospel to people who have never heard. Yeah. And uh, uh, we would typically say that, you know, all the low-hanging fruit have been plucked. And so a lot of the, <laughs> wow. the, the remaining groups that, that they're, need the gospel— They're remaining for a reason. They're, they're remaining for a reason. I mean, they're hard to get to. They're isolated. They're remote. They're in really difficult areas, both politically, religiously— I mean, you're not going to get a missionary stamp in your visa to go to those places, okay? Mm-hmm. And so you know when you go to those places uh, that you've got to really count the cost, you know, mm-hmm. b- b- before you go. And so, yes, I think in the past, historically, uh, we, we've done missions and we've made a lot of mistakes. And I can see where some people can kind of pick up that yeah. because of some of those past mistakes and some of the colonization efforts, uh, there were some who did it the wrong way. Yeah. But that, that's certainly not the way that we're, right. we're you know, we're doing, we're doing missions today. And so uh, I, w- I would tell people, uh, basically, that, you know, we, we go and uh, we, we are there as, as learners. Yeah. Uh, we are there to become incarnational in the same ways that hmm. Jesus was wow. when he entered, you know, into this world. Uh, I mean, there was 30 years of preparation before he ever entered into ministry for huge, a three-year yeah. period. And, and he learned language. He learned culture. You know, he, he developed those relationships and those connections, not mm. to change those people because 
you're going to find yourselves, you know, as much being changed you know, by those cultures. But right. you, you are there, though, to, to basically share that there, there is a, 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 a biblical kind of culture that, you know, transcends yeah. and uh, it uh, really overrides the local culture. So where those lo- local cultural customs are mm-hmm. in conflict to what the Word of God says, uh, then, the, you know, there's a responsibility to, to teach and to reinforce, you know, some, some, of, those, some, some of those beliefs. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people, Steve, have this assumption. They're called to ministry or missions, or they have a desire for that, and they say, okay, there's a lot of things. I'm just going to figure it out when I get over there. Um, What are the things you would encourage now for a person called to ministry or missions to start implementing in their life right here Hmm. so that they can be faithful down the road? Well, uh, I believe that it's really the local church in many ways that is the, 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 the equipping kind of center for people yeah. who want to uh, in, engage as a, a sent one. Because I see two things. I mean, the church is a sender. The missionaries are the sent ones that are mm-hmm. sent out from the local church. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that model in Acts 13, you know, sure. with Barnabas and Saul. Uh, when the Spirit of God said, you know, set apart from me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them to. And so uh, that that's critical. And so I, I think, one, uh, prepare yourself. I mean, uh, see if there are uh, opportunities to do mission studies inside the local church. Get plugged into the ministries of that local church that's primarily focused, you know, on uh, people groups, okay, mm-hmm that uh, look and, and act very differently from you. And so, I mean, if you're thinking about going somewhere in the Spanish-speaking world, do get engaged with some kind of Hispanic ministry, you know, here, right. here locally. Uh, so you're not going to do overseas what you're not doing here locally. And sure. so I think that you've got to cut your teeth. You've got to develop, you know, your, your competency and confidence doing ministry here in a stateside context. Uh, now, does all that experience translate, you know, once you get overseas? Not always. But it is good preparation for you as you go. Another key thing is uh, really learn how to share your faith. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I think in, in all my years, you know, serving with the mission board, one of the things that holds people up more so than anything else is that they don't have an, an active, you know, witnessing kinds of, wow. of experience yep. in terms of sharing their faith. And so sometimes for months on end, they're having to keep, you know, witnessing logs of every kind of spiritual conversation anytime that they're sharing the gospel to just get them into that kind of practice yep. mindset of doing that. So yeah. if you don't know how to share your faith, uh, then, uh, you know, they're, they're, look to people who are, are good at doing it. So mm-hmm, you could yeah. be mentored or somebody could give you some coaching, get some different tools. I mean, I think uh, much in the same way that I, if I went out to build a house, I would have a tool belt with a lot of different kinds of tools. You need lots of different kinds of tools to reach lots of, lots of different kinds of peoples. And so uh, learn some of those tools, practice using those tools. Those are going to be really helpful things for you as wow. you go. Let's flip that question. You've, you've spoken to the person saying, what should I do now? I'm sure some of the things relate, but if you had a chance to speak to the leaders of those people, what, what would you be telling those leaders of, hey, here's how you, like, here are the things that you can do to equip this next generation? Or, like, what would you say to them about even calling out the next generation? Well, I think it is definitely helpful when you have a pastor who is very missions-minded and is constantly, through his messages, you know, pointing to the gospel and pointing to the need right. of the gospel among un- un- unreached peoples. And so that's going to be very helpful, because I think things will rise or fall 
with those that are in leadership in, mm-hmm. in, in the local church. So the one, they have to buy in, you know, and, 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 and they need to be real intentional. You know, I don't think that this is just something that happens haphazardly because many times uh, the, the, the student may not seek that person out on, the, on their own. Yeah. So they need to be real intentional about trying to create that infrastructure uh, to help equip and prepare them mm-hmm. for, for, for this work. And, and so uh, I, I think there needs to be a lot of communications even between the different ministries in a local church that as they hear about somebody that is sensing a call to do this, uh, then, uh, let, hey, let's work on a, a, a developmental plan to get wow. them through, you know, the various stages to get them to the point that we can take the lead as a church mm-hmm. in being able to send them abroad. That's huge. That's huge. Well, see, what, what is the thing uh, that you would say to a, a young person who they're like, I don't know if I'm called to ministry or missions, but I'm here right now, and what, what would you have me do? What would the Lord have me do? Well, I have had opportunities to talk to students at, at college campuses before, and even when I begin to talk about, you know, uh, God's purpose for your life, you know, sometimes, you know, they're like deer in the headlights, you know. <laughs> I mean, they don't even know what life is going to be next week or in two weeks sure, or a month, yeah, and to, to get them to think Just about to get their lifetime, mm-hmm. you know, yep, get through right. finals, you know. Uh, they, they don't think that way. And, right. and, and obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm 60, so I, I'm not, I'm in a, a different See, generation. You look real good for 60. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, one, I, did, I didn't want to waste my life. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it was important to me, if, if I was going to live on purpose, it would be helpful for me to know the direction that God was leading me so that I could prepare and equip myself, you know, that, that way. And so I, I, I think really trying to discover, you know, what, what, what that purpose is, uh, and then just passionately pursuing that, you know, with your whole heart and bringing other people kind of alongside you uh, to help fan that flame, you know, for you to fulfill, you know, the purpose that God has for you. Wow. You came to faith at age 18, um, and it was because somebody shared the gospel with you. That's right. Um, h- how would you encourage young people to just be intentional with their time now, uh, sharing the gospel with peers? Well, you just have to do it. Uh, I'll say, uh, I mean, typically the way that we would look look at this kind of in a missions context that we typically try to find persons of peace where we have no believers. Mm-hmm. But once we have believers, uh, the objective is, is to try to transition your evangelism approach to oikos evangelism, you know, working within your network of pre-existing relationships to share the gospel. And so, <laughs> You know, you have friends, you have family, you have neighbors, you have coworkers. Okay, yeah. I mean, there are people that you hang out with, there are people that you play with, there are people that you know where you do your shopping. So yeah. you've got various networks of relationship that God has primarily positioned you to be missional. Okay, yeah. you're now the missionary uh, that needs to go to those different mission fields. These are relationships that you possess. You will probably have as much likelihood as anyone else in being able to impact those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And so just be intentional. Pray for them. Pray mm-hmm. for their salvation. Uh, but also, I mean, we encourage people pray for uh, one, open hearts. Uh, the second is to pray for open doors of opportunity. Sure. I mean, you're praying for God to create those divine appointments for you to have that spiritual conversation. But the other thing that I tell people too you pray for open mouths because God wow. can open a heart and God can open a door. But if you don't open your mouth to share the gospel, it, it won't make a bit of difference. And mm. so open your mouth, you know, share the gospel. And uh, I, I guarantee you that if you get into the practice of, of praying and, and being intentional about reaching out to your preexisting networks of relationships and, and sharing, you're going to, you're going you're gonna to see fruit, a lot yeah. of fruit. And I appreciate you saying that, just do it because mm. 
over the last two years, I think I've, I've been trying to really look, especially at, at relational evangelism and sharing the gospel with those around you. And it's like, you're looking for every opportunity to make it as, as, as less awkward as possible and as, as least confrontational. And certainly there are, there are good ways to share the gospel and there are bad ways to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. There's even wise ways to share the gospel and, and we might say less than wise, unwise ways to share the gospel. But at some point, you've got to share the gospel. And at some point, the gospel confronts. And so there's only so much we can do before we, we have to say, you know what, it's just time to share. Hmm. Yeah, hey, I think sometimes people get so caught up in getting everything, saying everything right. Perfectly the right. The Lord will bless your obedience. Uh, the thing that's been so convicting to me, there are so many people on the college campus I serve that are one conversation away from making a decision to trust Jesus. Wow. Like if hmm. only somebody would have that conversation with them. Uh, and so, Steve, I appreciate you just encouraging yeah. folks in that. Steve, what final word would you give to people? Well, I think to this very point, uh, one of my life verse, my, well, my, my life verse, I would say, is Philippians 127, you mm. know, and, and it talks about, you know, let your conduct, you know, be, be such mm. uh, that it adds value and, be, and brings distinction to the, to, to the, to the gospel. And so, uh, one, that is going to influence the way that you live out your life around these relationships. You want your message to be speaking, or your, your life message to be speaking the same as your, 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 your verbal witness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think those two things together, uh, when they sing that the, the reality, you know, of, of Christ's mm -hmm. transforming power has really changed your life, this is something I want for myself uh, it'll, 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 it'll do, uh, it'll do what God has intended, you know, for it to do. It has power to transform people's lives. And so I, I pray to that end that that That's will huge. happen with you. Well, Steve, thank you so much for yeah, being on with you. us. Uh, Lead Defend is always around the corner. So you can go to leaddefend.org for more information on the event, but thank you so, so much for listening. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. To hear more episodes from the Lead Defend crew, visit absc.org slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening site. Want to learn more information about the next Lead Defend conference? Visit leaddefend.org.